2: by Dave and Paul, um, already started laying into me before, and they've only been in the stream a minute, but they've already started bullying me before we've even kicked off. Um, but it's all right, I love it. Monday morning, um, we're to talk about Luton one, Manchester United two, another mighty win for Eric Tenog's Reds. Um, Paul, uh, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you very much, Wayne. Yeah, I'm Dave. I watched the game of football and it was a it was a little bit a little bit more refreshing than it has been.
2: Yeah, no, it was and, and, and Dave, um, you've obviously had a very eventful weekend, but you cut off with the United is always nice.
3: Yeah, I had an eventful weekend. My daughter's twenty first, so uh, many other things going on and had my daughter home from Germany as well, and yeah, and, and finish it off with a United win. Great weekend.
2: Yep, um, right, so let's talk about it a little more. Manchester United two two Hoyland goals in the first 10 minutes. Hoyland, um, it's only eighth time in Premier League history because we all know that football began in 1992. Um, and that I'm, I'm an historian, right? Or well, describe myself as one. I, I looked up the records while the game was going because I wanted to sort of tweet, I wanted to make sure I got the facts right. So it's the eighth time Manchester have scored in the first minute in Premier League history. There's no way that I was going to spend my Sunday afternoon researching the entire 100 years before that. It wasn't going to happen. Even me, even I'm not going to put myself through that. So in, in Premier League history, it's the eighth time it's happened. The sixth player to do it because Rooney did it three times. Um, and United... About five or six minutes later, scored a second. Hoyland um time going in off his chest. Actually really good finish with his chest. It might be the best chested finish I've ever seen. It was very good. Um there might be some more. I remember Brian Robson scoring with his Todger in the nineteen ninety-four semi-final. Um yeah, I remember it Paul. It was his last goal for United. You don't forget a thing like that. Um, oh, okay. um and that was a great performance as well. One of the guys from that team, um, which you were part of, you should remember that. Um, anyway, I'm I'm, di- I'm digressing. Let's go back to them. Um, they pulled a goal back and they really sort of went for it. And, and nearly, you know, there's there's an argument so they could have got a 2 2 draw, an argument that you know they should have got a 5 1 win. The number of times they went through one on one, it was a little bit Sunday league, you know, like going around the goalkeeper and making all those like it's just a little bit too wide or it's a little bit angsty and all that and it was a really good um, performance from Luton that they kept on going and that's the thing that we've seen with them they never really been embarrassed in, in the league um, and thankfully United came away with the kind of result that Arsenal and City have got there that they were on the right side talking with a, a win this morning um, there are obviously as always with Manchester United some elements of concern which I'm sure we'll get into but I mean First of all, a very good game, and to win it in the fashion that we did—I mean, it was entertaining and hoiling to get both of the goals—is um, really the kind of thing that um, should at least make us feel all right on a Monday morning. that
1: <laughs> Yes, there is. I mean, there was. There was definitely over the. I'd say the last few games. It was look. There was more positives there. Of course, there's still negatives, but I just looked at it and you can look at it and say there is more, there's more to take from it than what it has been in other wins. And just by, just by the fact of when I mean, you look at the early goal and and you see how, how he'd done that Hoyland, the confidence he had to go on and do that, could that have happened a few weeks ago? a good chance he would have been a bit edgy because he was being, like, destroyed a bit because of the fact that he wasn't scoring goals. And he's gone and took that on. And you look at the second goal, you know, great improvisation. And and he it, it just, you know, he knew what he was doing. It was as simple yeah. as that. You know, he just the way he adapted to go and do that, I think if that happened nine times out of ten, to many other players, they would have just taken the whack, taken the, the thump of it. And, and that would have been it. But he knew what he was doing. It was so controlled. So again, he's had a very, very good first half. The only disappointing thing at the moment is that we don't see enough of him in the second half. Mm. And it seems like there's too much joy in the first half. And all of a sudden, everyone seems to forget what got him in that position in the first place. And everyone tries to do their own individual little bits again. You know yeah. that that's the disappointing thing for me, Wayne, and I think it's becoming blatantly obvious now when you look at it that everyone seems to want to take on too much and look at to um ground themselves in glory as well.
2: Yeah, yeah no, yes, it's, it's fair. I mean, David, I mean mm-hmm. that's the, that was the thing really that seemed to United's wins against, let us say for want of a more friendly phrase against the so-called Leicester Lights. That's the thing. Really, letting United down like, is that this greed that we, we are seeing, or this idea that maybe like some of the players, and I'm, I'm not naming names, but like people will name their own. But it seems like there's this element where you get a couple of goals ahead, and United start thinking they're better than what they are, and they can't really, especially when they lose one or two players to injury, they can't afford to take a liberty like thinking they're better than what they are. And maybe we saw it again yesterday, but I still think like maybe just a bit of misfortune with the or lack of composure going around the goalkeeper at the end. The, by the way, the goalkeeper did really well yeah. considering that he had th- that amount of one on ones to face. So he's positioning for two of them at least in the second. That was brilliant. The, the Garnacho one, he and I think there was a Hoyland one as well. He, he was really good in his positioning to be able to sort of stop those goals going in. But nonetheless, they should have still gone in. United should be here a lot more comfortably um, in this position when we're talking about it on a morning. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, that's I think maybe, apart from the injuries, that is the thing, isn't it? It's something that you wonder, can it be coached out of this side? Can it be something that the players grow out of? But the players who, they seem too old to be growing out of it. It just seems an element of where greed takes over and they all think that they're all going to get the names on the goal, goal scoring sheet instead of LP United to a bigger win, um, what, entertaining nonetheless. What did you make of yesterday's game?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone can argue the fact that we should have won that game by four or five goals, um, and the goalkeeper was immense. He really was. Uh, and another day, you know, we're going around them, we're scoring two or three more goals. Uh, Fernandez was very unlucky. The defender pulled off like an absolutely fantastic block. Um, but, I, you know, I was when I was watching the can yesterday and we went 2-0 up. I kind of, you know, uh, I kind of feared because I think, I think we're the worst team to be 2-0 up in the league ever. You know, most teams 2-0 up, they start breezing. Um, but I think there's an element of truth to it when we get 2-0 up that everyone wants a piece of the pie. then, you know. Uh, we do get some players that are pretty greedy at times, you know, Marcus Rashford has has definitely improved since we start scoring. He's definitely starting to fit into this um, uh, new front line in regards to, um, uh, maybe it was pressure on him uh, in regard to him thinking that he has to always score. Uh, now that we have Hoyland banging them in, uh, we have Garnacho chipping in, uh, maybe that that's the reason why Rashford has, has kind of got into that winger role now rather than... Uh, every time he got the ball, he would just run directly into a defender. It was very, very frustrating. Or, or that last-minute uh, uh, decision—not the pass was was you know chance gone. Um, it's something that Garnaccio needs to learn about as well. Uh, but I think he's improving a lot since he's been out on the right. Um, to go back to Paul's uh, uh, comment about Hoyland, uh, uh, about him like in the second half, it is very noticeable after sixty, seventy minutes. He he kind of just fades and i think a lot of that down to the fact that for 60 70 minutes he just he never stops running um so maybe it's a coaching thing it's a manager saying to tell him that you know you, you you can't run flat out for 60 70 minutes and expect to expect to you know finish the game on 90 minutes because he's he's always you know especially lately he always seems to be the, one of the one of the first players to be taken off and he looks absolutely knackered when he comes off he looks beat he looks dead I think it's because he, he doesn't conserve a lot of his energy. Um, but just, you know, nail on the head again with that, with that you know, from Paul and those, those goals. A couple of weeks ago, he's not scoring them. He really isn't. Um, and that, that chested goal, I, I mean, come on. it if, if that was any other player than any other team, it would be on repeat, repeat, repeat uh, on Sky. Um that was a phenomenal... I'll be honest, when I seen it first, I ch- I just thought it was a deflection. I thought it just whacked off and went into the net. But when you see him in slow motion, he meant every bit of that. He chested the ball into the net after, you know, was hitting, a bit, I don't know, 15 miles an hour. Absolutely phenomenal right. goal. Ronaldo scores that Messi scores there. We're never going to hear the end of it. Um, but that was an absolutely phenomenal goal. And he's not trying that a few weeks ago. He's ducking. He's, he's, He's letting it hit him in the chest and trying to let it drop and torn on it. Um but I was very impressed with United yesterday. Uh, I think there is there was more good than bad that came out of that game. The only bad thing that really came out of is like Blue Shaw. He's been phenomenal since he came yeah. back for us. Um, I'm just hoping it's not a bad injury. I mean, I've got to believe that Maguire got got hooked <coughs> because he was, you know, walking a tightrope like Casemiro. Um because Maguire has improved a hell of a lot. But Johnny Evans came on and did an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, we are seeing the best of Boran at the moment, but I always have my doubts about him. Um, when Manchester United are doing well, we see the best of Boran. When Manchester United hit a hit a blip, we see the injured Boran. Um, I'm not sure whether it's it's psychological or whatever, but I'm just not sure he's he's a fighter. Um, but when we're playing well, he's one of our best players. I'll be honest, he really is. Uh, but it's um, it's it's always disheartening to see that when when our form dips. He just seems to disappear. Uh, But not to take away from the fact that I think we should absolutely come away from that game four, five, six goals clear. Uh, It was a tricky place to go to. Um, And uh, I'm delighted with the away win, especially at Luton, because like we said last week, that would have been the first fixture they looked for when they got promoted. Uh, I can only imagine the atmosphere was electric there yesterday. It felt like that. It felt like a real old, you know, mid-90s. I won't say old because Paul was playing dead. It felt like a (laughs) mid-90s game. Um <laughs> with the atmosphere and, and just the game itself, it really did. The pitch wasn't the best. Um, and then after the game, we had the comments by the manager complaining about the four minutes. I, I'm loving hearing all this from the managers complaining because, you know, with the moves Manchester United are making there with, with Sir Jim Radcliffe coming in, um, there seems to be a bit of concern out there that Manchester United could be able to get it back together and over the next two or three years. And get back to the top uh, so I was delighted to hear him complain about the four minutes and, and not just complain about the four minutes but basically hint at it because it was Manchester United and they were winning 2-1 there was only four minutes at it uh, you know a silly comment but uh, it tells you that, that people are starting to get concerned and that makes me happy
2: Yeah, um, it's interesting the, the Hoyland thing and I agree with what you've both saying about confidence and the difference that you can see even though I can't I think I've been quite consistent throughout the season when saying that I've never had any concerns about him because he's still scoring in the Champions League and there were good goals as well. Um, but I, I do find it funny because they, the goal that he scored, the second goal, like you said, there's an element, um, you would say, fortune about it. Not not necessarily finish because the finish is executed great, but fortune in the way that you don't see a striker score like that. And I do wonder, it makes me think of Ole, it makes me think of Chicharito and... and those players who they weren't really affected by form, maybe they did have periods where they were out of form. You didn't look at them as form players, you looked at them as lucky players. They were kind of lucky omens that they'd score. Remember Hernandez's first goal being he went off his chest onto his face in the community shield, um, charity shield in old language. Um, I'm not ready for community shield, like I'm still calling it the Cola Cup as well. Um, but yeah, like Oli Oli would score goals like that as well. and. Um, you want Hoyland to be that kind of player, really, um, but he, you want him to be more than that because he's leading the line for United. And part of why he looks knackered is probably because of the fact that he's the only one asked to be leading the line and it's a lot of work for him to be doing, especially considering that Garnacho and Rashford are renowned pressers. You know, it's a, it's a lot to ask, but he's coming up with the goods at the moment. And as long as he's doing it in the first half, then at least we can sort of Relax in the 2nd Um got a question here. We've got some comments coming in, so I'll come to them quickly. Um, Jock um, Zacharyson says, what do you think in the dynamics of the team that's causing this selfish streak? The team looks to put in a shift, but is there a lack like, of team spirit? It's an interesting um, conversation point. I guess we should touch on it quickly. Like, we've all mentioned it. it all, we can all give our opinions on it. In my opinion, I would say that... United over the last seven years have been in a position where the better players inside have been rewarded with fat contracts and being elevated to an ego status. Where uh, you might look at that player and say they probably wouldn't be in a great all time United team, but they're earning more money than any Manchester United player in that position ever has. They are elevated into this worldwide profile in a way that a lot of players haven't been because United's status and the Premier League status elevates them into that area. So they've got the ego of being someone who's won the Premier League by six, seven times. And when you have that, in a team that's growing and developing in this way, again, you're going to find that you're going to have a contrast of players who are keen to learn and eager. And then the ego will take over when United are coasting or look like they're going to be coasting in games. And um, I guess it that kind of thing, uh, it's difficult because it's a modern problem. Uh, I'd love to see now Fergie dealt with it. Um, it is very much a modern problem, but how, how Tenag approaches that because it's a difficult thing to coach out of, not a player, a human being in their mid-20s when they reach a certain level of maturity or immaturity. It's difficult to sort of drum that ego out of them. Ego, which can be a good and bad thing as well. Uh, Paul, do you agree with that? Do you, do you agree with the fact that it feels like it's a modern problem? Do you think that there's a lack of team spirit in there? What what would you put the um, selfishness down to? In the we in second half of games or when United are like in Newport, when United were a couple of goals up, suddenly what looks like it could be a seven or a eight goal win turns into a scrambly win because they just they don't play as a team for for that period of time. What would you put that down to?
1: I think when you talk about it, it does come from the fact of playing well, achieving. That's when people start coming together more. That's the obvious way of doing it. But you're seeing teams who are struggling, but yet they show more appetite than what Manchester United do at this given moment. There's a something in them and it, it is. It doesn't matter. You can run someone every single day, every minute of the day, and you'll say how fit they are. But... Fitness comes from comes from the head, the head telling the body that it wants to do it, and then the body will keep going and going. And yeah. the team does lack that. And the only way to get that back in this given at this given time, or we should say, for maybe end of season when it comes to end of season is the change in personnel. Change in personnel or players, I should say. Because yeah. the right players will drive the other players on because they'll be telling them. There's nothing worse than hearing hearing the word cheat from a teammate.
4: Yeah.
1: It must be you just don't want to hear that because there's no comeback from that. You've got to then go out and prove yourself, and then he, and you go and prove yourself. But then the question will be answered again to say that you've been letting the te- you've been letting your teammates down first, but more more important, you you've been letting yourself down because you haven't given you just haven't given enough. You haven't given everything that's there. So, um, and I think the team is, is that way. You can see it. You see it in the second half. I saw sometimes times Hoyland, and he was, he, he was, he suddenly saw that the balls were going into his feet infrequently, though, and he was holding people off, holding, holding, waiting for people, someone to give it to. And they there was nothing around him. But you watch the best teams, or, I mean, you watch the good manchester united teams and the great manchester united teams when that ball went into a front man the team was the team moved like that in chunks all moved together close to where the action was not big distances like that people sometimes oh it's great counter attacking play no it's laziness to push it on there and i think that's that's what's happening and it happened so many times yesterday everyone just sat deep they weren't they wasn't squeezing up on Luton at all. So in theory, Manchester United made, allowed Luton to play football around them. They played better football with the ball, Luton and Manchester United yesterday. That's that's yeah. the worst bit of it, Wayne, really, to be perfectly honest. When they had the ball, they was definitely more productive, only because they had so many orange shirts to hit all the time because then United dropped back deeper so there was a big gap in between the midfield and the defence and then when the ball did go into Hoyland he had nothing around him his runners the two wide lads were so wide they don't come into defence and then you look in the midfield and in the second half Scott McTominay I don't know where Scott McTominay was in the second half to be perfectly honest he he wasn't he wasn't in the game it was it was just incredible it was like a fable but um it is it is fitness of mind. That's the most important thing. You've got to want to work hard to work hard. By saying, Oh, he works hard in training, he don't, you know, in other words, when they do a five-mile run, he, he runs the five miles, great. But did he just do the run or did he try and put anything into the run? And trust me, you you're talking to someone who hated running long distances. Sometimes didn't really push himself to the limit, was happy just to get through and do enough to be seen that I've done it. So I can understand both sides of the coin because a few times you do feel embarrassed when teammates maybe say something to you or someone goes past you and it hurts. I wonder how much it hurts these players in that team that someone is doing doing that little bit more than them, Wayne.
2: Do you think, Dave? I mean, it does feel like, I mean, Dave, you can't really argue about, like, especially someone who's just been as honest as that. Uh, it's an interesting thing. You can see it, though. It's one of those things, like, you know, like, um, it's obviously a mental thing. And, like I said, it's a modern issue with players being like, and maybe it just comes down to, like, things like money and drive, you know, things, all, all those kind of things. But normally, those kind of things you can't see not tangible but you can see this issue it's, it's an issue that's there everything is um causing causing it
3: yeah i mean I <clears throat> want we, we've got to be clear this is not a manchester united problem this is a this is a modern game problem um when you when you give when you give i know you you, you summed it a perfectly at home and you said when you give humans Human beings. When you give human beings, not not players, just actual human beings, that amount of money um, in such a short period of time, where's the motivation? You know, where does it where does it come from? Then, um, you know, football has changed so much in the past two decades. Even from you know from from young kids from the, the moment they they start playing football, uh, all the way through to the successful ones that make it. It's completely different. You know, there's no more street football, there's no more park football. Um, every kid that's being, you know, coached um, is being coached by people that have to qualify and have badges. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but what it's done is it's created a problem further on down the line because they, they're like robots at this moment in time. Um, I mean, I only really thought about it when when Paul said it there, when he was talking about there's you know, there's no real there's no real team spirit. There's no real togetherness. Um, And I started thinking to myself, well, it's 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 rare nowadays that you have teams that have all that togetherness right across the squad, because I think they're all they all are individuals. you know, you'll get a couple of players that strike up, strike up a friendship like York and Cole did, like Giggs and Incy, people like that. But you, you don't get it as a team anymore uh, because I think these, these guys are so in a bubble in themselves that, you know, other than PR stunts at Christmas to show a team out in fancy dress at a pub that's all orchestrated. You don't see that anymore uh, with clubs. Uh, teams are just not together the way they were 20 years ago. Uh, but you know, it's modern football has created that, I'm afraid. And then you can't just flip a switch and change that as soon as they cross that white line to be a, to be a togetherness there. There's just not. Um, there really isn't. Um, and it's 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 down to the fact that there is no incentive there. Uh, average players are making. You know, they're, they're making tens of millions a year, um, through through their salaries, their sponsorships, their image rights. So just making so much money, where is the incentive? There's none. There really isn't an incentive, really none. Well, and unfortunately, that's what we've created in a modern game. Because, um, and I always say this: we go back to the you know early '90s when we wanted more football. We wanted something like Sky to come in. Uh, this is the juggernaut that I created, um, and here we are you know 2024 asking ourselves did we do the right thing and because it's definitely not the game that even was even 20 years ago even 10 years ago and you know there's just there's not enough there's not enough players around nowadays that that really want it you know Uh, because they're earning so much money I mean. I would even imagine, you know, the players are looting there on, you know, a, a very tidy package after coming up to with bonuses and, and promotion bonuses and all. There's just no incentive there to do well. And uh, it, it shows on the pitch. And like I said, it's not a Manchester United problem. It's, it's a It's a problem across the board. I mean, when you look, when you think back to Arsenal last year in January, they were going around as if they'd won the league already. You know, it was absolutely ridiculous in January. And it's just no and the manager allowed them to do that um, you know i watched the, obviously that arsenal documentary when it was on um on i think it was amazon or whatever and it just it just lacked any personality it was like ridiculous it really was it was silly to see inside that dressing room about how modern managers and modern players behave these days it's absolutely ludicrous there's a falseness about it um but yeah, yeah. it's not a manchester United problem it's a it's a football problem i think so.
2: Yeah, well, no, it is a Manchester United problem if they want to solve it and move forward. Because, I mean, if it smells like team spirit, as Nirvana once told us, then you've got a greater chance of reaching that Nirvana. I, I say this is a non-Nirvana, um, not, not, not anti-Nirvana. But everyone wants to reach the Nirvana. Why am I saying this so often? It's Just shut up and keep going on to this part. Um, talk about money and loyalty. Um, by the way, even, good evening, Tony, from Australia. Um, looking forward to catching up with you when you're home. Uh, Tony Park there, um, Manchester United, historian, youth historian. Um, the guy who... The guy, the gentleman who uncovered the facts of, um, you know, United's run of having um, a youth team player in every first team squad since um, dinosaurs were roaming the earth. Um, not that Tony was there. Most certainly not. Um, let's talk about loyalty and money in football. Um, Dan Ashworth, as um, John says um, in his comments, what does Paul think about the Dan Ashworth news and his potential incoming? Well, let's talk about this. This morning they're talking about fees. Fees for um, Dan Ashworth to come to Old Trafford of s- between 10 and £20 million. Pounds. Now, if we're going to do this, like I'm loyal to Manchester United. I love the club. Right, I consider myself a writer, um, amateur historian, but if another club wants to transfer me for a couple of years to be their historian, they can offer me £2 million and I'll quite aptly spend years being an historian at another club. Um, Dave, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, obviously, Dan Ashworth is the thing that everyone's talked about because of his great work at Brighton and... I guess he's done some good things at Newcastle. It's difficult to know because of their progress. is so strange, really, considering the money that they've got and the FFP regulations and everything like that. It's difficult to really determine how good a job he's done up there. Um, you would say some of the recruitment has been smart, um, but the, the real success story is what he did at Brighton. So he seems like he's the obvious coming for the role that he's, he's coming in for. Um, the appointment itself is... I mean, I'm going to presume you would agree very smooth that the secondary conversation about the fee for it is just ridiculous. And Newcastle, of all clubs, to be doing that um, considering the way that they got him. So it seems a bit of a nonsense. What do you make of um, the, appointment, the, the um, proposed appointment?
3: I mean, yeah, it's... Listen, we all know that the, the football inside of, of Manchester United has been has been just left to die for the past 10 10 years since you know since Sir Alex, um well 11 years now since Sir Alex moved on um the business side is where the glazers concentrated everything in and and I know we we have harsh words to say about a lot of the a lot of the, the guys on that side but they were top of the class um for what they were brought in for they really were uh, we can't argue with that year on year revenue was up record revenues um, and that's not me patting the glazes on the back i'm just pointing out a fact that that's the side of the business they concentrated on and they let the other thing just die and um, uh, it, it's a you know so jim Radcliffe has come in part of his as we all know part of his uh or part of the the uh, agreement was that he would he would take control of the football side and he's made you know a couple of very very smart moves right out of the gate um, he's, he's building a team like it was built on the business side and this is really really exciting stuff and um, you know you, you are right uh, uh, Answorth you know his his Brighton days you know they're still seeing um, uh, the, the they're still seeing the rewards for that today um, he hasn't been at Newcastle that long relatively that long to start you know uh, putting a stamp on it and um, yeah it's just I mean it's just gamesmanship by Newcastle really isn't it Newcastle if, you know since they got bothered by uh, by a state and um, they they've had this fixation with Manchester united that they're rivals. um and they're trying to do everything they possibly can uh, I think in the in the in the in the dark corridors of of st James's Park they're actually they may even see this as a as a way to again try and prove that they they are you know they are up there with Manchester United you know by by making a demand uh, for for one of their key people that's uh, in you know in the in that basically works in the background. Um, it's it's gamesmanship. It's 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 no surprise, but um, I'll guarantee you that that that's the silver lining that they see in this is that oh let's ask for a fee from you know we're Newcastle United we can ask for a fee. It's ludicrous. It's stupid. Where does it end? Um, you know we we always say that. We bring this up every now and then on a the pod. That we really shouldn't know referees' names. We definitely shouldn't know people from far and we shouldn't really be knowing people that are on the board. I mean, you go back twenty odd years ago, you know, you, you knew the chairman, and that was it. You know, maybe maybe you know Morris Setter. Uh, uh, um, uh, God, what was that guy's name? Watkins. I forget uh, it. Watkins. Yeah, um, you knew about him because of his his dealings with Manchester United, Cantona, so well, but that was it. Um, everyone else never heard of. Now they're asking for fees for, for people like Dan Landsworth. It, it's it's definitely a silver learning for Newcastle for Manchester United to be coming in. That's their silver learning. In my opinion, is that now they can you know stamp their foot down and go, hey, if you don't want them on garden leave or whatever land this contract is, you gotta pay for them. But ten to twenty million um yeah. I mean if if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm being positive about it, just pay it. You know, be Manchester United just pay it and say 20 million pff, nothing to us and then just move on um because you know 20 million with what he did at brighton and um, what he could what he's potentially doing at newcastle 20 million will be nothing in four or five years time um, and at the end of the day when manchester united if we want to get back at the at you know eating at the at the main table of titles this is what we got to do um i just hope that we don't do and I don't believe we will don't turn this into a transfer saga like we normally do, and and drag it out and make a complete farce of it. And then you've got a guy that's probably going to come in with a you know um, a bit of a chip on his shoulder and thinking, why don't you just pay it? You know, what did it bring me in? Um, I'm all for just paying it. Just pay it, get it done, move on. Um, it'll be a finger in the eye for Newcastle of Manchester United. Just go ahead and pay it. It is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not. It's silly. Uh, but just for me it, it's an area that, that we clearly so lack in it, we really do uh ten Hag seems to be behind it and um, he seems to be uh, uh confident of it uh but i would just pay it and move on it is it is done. but pay it and move on
2: i'd be interested to see i'm just going to come to a couple of comments from tony but when he says that fee is ridiculous and classic united tax um tony he's talking about newcastle um they haven't won a trophy in sixty nine, that's five years the crowds down the years have been terrible another media spin nothing more yeah they've definitely invented their rivalry with united but on the back of 95 the 95 96 season um and on twitter um tony didn't comment about the earlier point with the relationship and the you know, the egos and everything that we are talking about. I said different players seem to be developing, integrating and building consistency at different speeds takes time. But, uh, this defensive injury levels don't help that. Something we'll talk about uh, preview in the Fulham game. Um but I, I don't know, Dave, I like the two ways first of all, I'm a little bit ignorant on this like where where the Ashworth appointment falls um, because obviously United have got a, a
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The
2: budget for transfers, and that's governed somewhat by FFP regulations, wouldn't Ashworth... Be covered under employment law rather than a sporting contracts in the same way that you know it's an interesting question, right? Because if he resigns from his job and then takes up a job at United, yes, all right, there'd be an element of comp- compensation. I, I get that because there's a sporting element to it, but for to be asking for twenty million pounds, it seems it seems outrageous. And I look at the numbers, and if United are in that position, like I said, it's nothing to United. It kind of is because we're talking about a club who still governed by FFP was struggling to get Amrabat over the line in August because of the fee that they would take for that. They didn't get anyone in January because there, there's no cash. There was no cash. They couldn't do that until it was ratified. So like we obviously there's gonna be different permutations with the amount of investment that's coming in and what with that covering the transfer element. You know, how much of the money has been pumped in, how much of that is for the budget of the transfers and the playing squad, how much of it is for redevelopment and all that stuff. All those questions are still to be asked, but United aren't in a position where mm-hmm. you can just offer £20 million um, just to get it done. I don't think they're because I don't understand how that
3: element of it works. With, um, but well, it is an just, interesting... Just real just yeah. briefly, Wayne, the... the, the we're not privy to his contract at newcastle um but i can almost guarantee you that 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 there's that there's there's a paragraph written in there saying that he has to give 12 months notice to go to any you know any competitive uh company or business or whatever club let's put it um yeah so i think that's the big sticking block here is that newcastle are saying listen you paid a fee or yes he is an employee um, and he can he can resign but he can't work in this industry for the next 12 months it's a very common standard thing that's written into where, uh, um as tony said the corporate world lasts about three months for sales six as well exactly you see so so there could be a 12-month thing in there where newcastle are saying hey if he wants to leave he leaves, but you're not going to get him until next year unless you pay x amount and that's the reason why it's there and um, it's to stop this from happening um uh, very different to a player, because a player has uh, freedom of movement, and you know there's a lot of different rules around that. But but people at his level in the corporate world, they would sign that contract when he came from Brighton, uh, because Newcastle obviously how they got him from Brighton was a little bit Meh. So they obviously have written that in there, and that's the sticking block here. And the only the yeah. only people that can actually tear that up are Newcastle United. Uh, so that's the reason why there's a fee. And Newcastle know that they have United over a barrel. Will they pay 20 million? I'm not so sure. Um, uh, But I would just pay, if we want to be serious again about this, we just, you know, as someone said earlier on, Manchester United comes with a tax, unfortunately. Just pay it and get it done. If not, Newcastle (coughs) have resigned themselves to the fact that he's leaving. So they know that, you know, from the moment he started talking about this, he's being shut off, you know. Uh, so they've already more than likely in their head moved on. He's going to leave. They're not going to convince him to stay. So in their head, it's like, well, you either give us ten million, or he sits it out for twelve months. Either way, we're getting something out of this. Um, so that's the reason why there's a fee, unfortunately.
4: Yeah.
3: So,
2: Tony says in the corporate world, Gordon leaves lasts about three months for salespeople, six to twelve months max for senior leadership. I've never heard of this before. Tony's in corporate. Um, that, that world as well as I know you are, David. Um, it says if, if you stop working, you then you're impacting a your career. Stop someone working, you're impacting a your career any longer, wouldn't stand up in court. Um, Paul, beyond all, all that sort of stuff, talking from a sporting aspect, the other side is, of course, that this is a quick appointment from the Ratcliffe side of it. You know, they come in, they're making all these appointments. This is another one that they're making quite hopefully swift off the bat another one of those that really to reap the rewards, like I said, not really seen him at Newcastle yet. He's riding on the brown reputation. So you're looking at two years, at least <laughs> until you see the, the um, rewards and the fruits of, of the labor. And, it, and it's a funny thing, isn't it? Football It's not that patient. Nobody's been that patient with 10 Hag yet. So the impatience that they'll show for Ashworth, if things don't, if United aren't instantly winning trophies, um, or, or showing signs of, like, very smart transfer business. Um, it's it's an interesting appointment. What what do you make of Do you have an opinion on it, really, or are you just waiting for it to be done?
1: Well, I'm just surprised how it's got out there, because um, at the weekend, or prior to the weekend, um, Eddie Howe was saying that there's been no approach to Newcastle, so where's all this gossip come from, first of all? Who is letting the cat out of the bag? Um, mm. Yes, he'd done well at Brighton. We have to remember, Brighton have got a completely different way of working to any other club, maybe except um, Brentford. So what he'd done mm. there was always going to be something because those players were coming; they were coming from rainforests, weren't they? To be perfectly honest, Ecuador—they were. inspired them everywhere. Um, you can talk about the ones they put in the Newcastle, but not know, there's been a lot of people who who have done things like that. So it seems excessive. And how long do these people keep going for? Where I'm, I don't really understand it. Why they're going so far? They've got this person from Man City. He hasn't been talked about for quite a few weeks now. Now you're adding that you intending to add this, and this Mr. Ashworth. I just I, again, I just think it's too much. Too many stories still coming out. It just needs things just to let. Let things happen rather than seeing the force it happen because it is being pushed out there, totally pushed out there. Manchester United, headlines again. One minute it's the ground, now it's this. What's going to follow? Because this will go quiet for a while. What's, What's going to happen next? It's just one drama after the other. And the most important thing really should be that United have won five games on the bounce, including an FA Cup game. That's the bit. Yeah. That, it's the football element that should be talked about more because that's the most important bit. You know what's going to happen now? This um, Ashworth fella. What's he do if he does come to Manchester United? Is that is he going to be signing autographs? He's going to have hats with his name on it and scarves, you know, things, things like that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just getting embarrassing now. You know, really, what's what's going on with the club? So I, for me you know, Ten Hag is always going to be nodding and agreeing with things because he mostly loves his job. He wants the best part. He wants all the best tools possible to do a great job because if he knows if he does a great job at United, it cuts above everyone else without a shadow of a doubt. So he's going to nod his head to everything or say no when he should be saying no. So they can write about that one as much as they like because we all know how that works. So I wonder I don't know how he worked at IX. He might yet. Yeah, he would have had something similar, but but not the drama. Now you know that they must be signing off because all all these clubs mention these people, wouldn't they, these great jobs they do? You don't know them, but all of a sudden they want to put them out there and make them big names. You know, it's just I just think it's yeah. farcical now with the way it's, what football's becoming now. It's become yeah. something so easy, which was a working class game played and watched by working class people. So now it seems to be dragged away from them. Now they want to pull it to middle class and the, the snob class. Try and make it as complicated as possible and take it away from where it's come from before. With all yeah. these other people coming in wearing, wearing collars and tie and think that's going to make a difference in the game of football. It's shocking.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Paul has said his piece and I tend to agree, you know, there's the um tend to agree with the over-complication of it, but, you know, Ashworth, in terms of his work on the recruitment side, I did say, like, you know, I've talked about two years. Um, Tony says that they all work for IFAB. Um, yeah. Um, I said two two years, but, I mean, Ashworth was in post from, it was like 2019 to 2022 at Brighton, so you did see the impact pretty Quickly, do you know what I mean? Nobody can deny that he had an impact. But Brighton, like you said, are a well-run club, like Brentford, and you see the impact of the work of all of those people. So it's not just down to one individual. There's actually probably himself. Um, there's another player that we'll talk about another time. Someone who did play the game, who Paul would have been very familiar with playing it against him. Um, Jason Wilcox from Southampton, who was a old Blackburn winger in the title. He won the title with Blackburn, didn't he? he was there? Yeah. Um, players Paul, many times but we'll talk about him in the future if and when that appointment happens um interesting to talk about that. the Ashworth thing nonetheless because it has been big news the last week and like you said uh, the other thing paul like you said like the other appointments like the city guy um everything was kind of like done, done. it was done like wasn't leaked and i think some people understanding that it's big news have sort of tried to get their noses in the trough like Ramon or something like tell me when there's going to be different appointments and such and such because it's all about getting retweets you got to get them retweets and clicks Um you should say that we're in the business of doing that on this podcast technically but uh, we're not sensationalising it it's nice to have you with us it's nice to have you listening to us we're not going to um sensationalise or start Slandering people for the sake of it. Um, right. Okay, so let's talk about Fulham, um, Old Trafford this weekend. Dave, oh, you're going to be there. Paul, um, Paul, you're going to be there as well. Um, they won away on the opening day at Everton, but they've not won away since. There are goals in their team. They've scored five goals a couple of times in the league, um, but they don't look great away from home. Um, Ten yesterday said a very interesting point. Um He's, he was asked about whether or not he was confident about the latest run or whether or not he felt he was fragile. And he said he felt it was fragile. And I get, I can understand where he's coming from because United started yesterday and they had that balance. And you thought, they look like a proper team, but then sure goes off. I don't think he's been as good as you think he's been, Dave. But where he's been impressive is that the team's had balance. And a natural balance, United have been able to play a lot better. But we are playing this very precarious game where we start well because we've got just about a fit side, but then the numbers start dropping. The performance starts dropping. Casemiro picks up a yellow card. Maguire picks up a yellow card. They both have to come off and the style of the game has to change and all those things that come into the natural thing like you were saying earlier about Hoyland being uh, tired. All of these things start to impact because United have got a... Pretty as Tenag says, fragile framework to work. So you've got to kind of hope that United get enough goals ahead that when the injuries start to happen during the game, or when Casemiro picks up his yellow card, because <laughs> it's going to happen every time, um, that you're in a strong enough position that the the inevitable comeback doesn't um, hurt United so much. That seems to be the way that they're playing at the moment, um, Paul. You obviously from one of your old clubs, a club that you look out for quite a lot, so you're going to be more well versed in them than what Dave and I are. What are you expecting from them this weekend, and what do you expect from United in return?
1: Well, I was there when they played. I was just recently watching week before last. I was um, trying to think who it was, yeah, Fulham v Bournemouth. I was at that game, and um, uh, Moonies up front had maybe the best centre-forward performers um, for Fulham since um, they lost to Mitrovic. He scored two goals in a game and he never stopped working. Um, I look at them and they're always going to try and play football without a shadow of a doubt. Defensively, they do rely on maybe their oldest defender in Tim Ream he's, yeah. you know, I, I think he's incredible. I really, really liked him ring. Hardly makes a mistake. Very, very rarely. But I think coming back now, they've got Calvin Bassi will be back now. I don't know if he played the weekend, but Calvin Bassey will mostly be back for that game. Full-back areas. Um, depends if he plays Tete or the Leicester boy. Um, I've forgotten his name. Kaz, um, the Belgian, Belgian boy, I've forgotten his name. But they're not that great. They will, as I said before, want possession, want to play lovely football. If Tom Kearney plays nine times out of ten, I would say, and you mostly see at the weekend, that the reason why they struggled, they didn't get what they were expecting because um, they, they got beaten by energy. Tom Tom yeah. Kearney can't can't move. He's, he's he's good with the ball at his feet. He's very much like a 40, 50 years ago, he would have been a Tottenham player. He would have been a Glenn Hoddle, the way he yeah. moves, everything about it. But when it comes to any, anything dynamic around him, he can't deal with it, cannot deal with it at all. So normally I would say you've got to get in around and move the ball quickly around him. But I'm talking about Manchester United, they don't do that. So Fulham will come there and they will enjoy good possession again because United don't work hard enough without the ball. Um, Fulham are very good with the ball. Muniz will run around, will cause problems for the centre half because he's honesty. Um, out wide, I think um, or Dover Reed, flats to deceive. Um, he scored when I was there, but didn't see him again in the game. Um, but they might play Harry Wilson, who'll be more of a threat. On the other side, they got Robinson and mate, Fulham's best player is William, 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 whatever they call him he is that he is their biggest threat offensively without a shadow of a doubt so it needs Dallow to have his defensive head on and william works back and he works forwards but when he gets in and around that box 9 times out of 10 he gets a delivery in and they will deliver they won't fanny about and, and threaten they'll deliver so yeah. it's about a day, it's about on the day really I mean, of course they're beatable. You look at it now, and you got to say that United have to beat Fulham, given what they've done to keep this run going. It'd be it'd be a massive disappointment if they don't get three points at home. Even more so since I'm actually going to be there watching it live. So on that side of it, but um, the game easiest the easiest thing to say is winnable and should be won. But <laughs> yeah, you, but United just every team comes to Old Trafford now. And they don't feel a fear factor when they come out onto the pitch anymore. So that's the difference.
2: Yep. Well, um, it's fair. William's an interesting one. I remember Rennie Mullenstein telling me when we were doing the book that um, when he was at Anzi, I can't pronounce the second name of the club, but William there and he was going to Chelsea um, and he was recommending him to United. And at that time, I thought he was a very good player for Chelsea. He would be a good player for United. The work rate, and he's still, like you said, um, when we played them at Craven Cottage, I think he was probably their biggest danger man. He, he works hard all the time, I and mean, you know that, all right, he may not have the energy that he had um, eight or nine years ago, but what he does have is the quality when you give him the space on the ball, and um, you know, I do have to be wary of that, especially as I said, Dallow, the player will be marking him. You would imagine he'll get more time on the ball than what you'd like to so it's going to be an interesting battle. Um, but Dave, you know United at Old Trafford, I guess we can't take it for granted. The Bombs game was taught us. We can't take any game at Old Trafford for for granted. But um, United are in good form. Hoyland's in good form. There is some balance between the, uh, in the side at the moment. Hopefully Shaw was taken off just as a precaution. So all those things like the balance should still be there. Um, and it does, I think a lot of it does come down to whether or not United do have that balance in the side, whether or not they feel like it looks like a side that starts in the right way, not necessarily to score in the first minute, but in the way that they set up as a, a balanced side. Because if they lopsided and like Luton yesterday, like Villa the previous week, yes, United got away with it and probably deserved the wins in both games but they were put through the ringer and and Fulham do have the players to do that. So well, what are you expecting from, um, from the weekend?
3: 7-0 and, um, <laughs> and yeah, that's, yeah, um, I am a little bit more confident these days, um, of, of playing at Old Trafford, uh, which wasn't the case before Christmas. Um, uh, as Paul said earlier on, teams come to Old Trafford nowadays and there's no fear. Um, and there hasn't been a fear. Like they used to be, if we're gauging against that for for many many years. Um, but if I'm if I'm talking about you know pre Christmas and post Christmas, I think I'm a lot more confident of winning at Old Trafford these days. Uh, I know we had a few late winners um, uh, to 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 win games, but I think that adds to the fact that we are starting to make Old Trafford back into you know a place where uh, if if teams come and get a point. And they're happy with it. We're not at that level yet, but I do think that we we are a hell of a lot more confident at Old Trafford these days than we were before Christmas. Uh, Fulham are a very very decent side. They're a dangerous side. Um, you know they have a few good players up front, which will concern me on the day. And um, but that said, I think you know I I wasn't Dallo's biggest fan for the past couple of years, but I think over especially in this run that we're on now, he's he's been. He's really stepped it up. He's actually been probably one of our best defenders, uh, which we weren't saying that, you know, two two months ago, three months ago, he was like a broken compass on the pitch. Um, he's just, he definitely has stepped up. So uh, it's, it is it is going to be a tricky game and, and Fulham are going to come to Old Trafford, you know, thinking that they can get something from it. Um, but I'm, I'm confident with the run that we're on, uh, you know, four in the league, five overall. Um, and the fact that Hyland uh, and, and I'm like you, Wayne. I'm a huge, a huge fan of him. I I, I was not one bit concerned. I just thought the stat that, you know, all the way up to Christmas, he still hadn't scored a league goal, was like a bit of a it was mind blowing considering he was at one point the top scorer in the Champions League. Um yeah. so that's why I had no fear that there's goals in the guy. He just needs he needs one or two of them to hit his face, his arse, his whatever. Um and now we're starting to see the striker that we, you know, that, that he's probably maybe a little bit ahead of the court now because he's scoring all types of goals now, and um, he really is. I mean, that one that he got through the week where he just, you know, where uh, where he came across the box and and uh, he, I think it was Wolves and um, and he knocked it in and he was celebrating while the defender was still on top of him. Um, it shows you how much this game means to him right now, and and the, uh, I got to imagine that the stress and the the relief of of. Scoring now in the past five or six games has just he's on cloud nine right now um and and everyone knows you know that strikers they just confidence is is just everything to them um, and once they have that confidence they're scoring goals like he did with his chest the weekend which is phenomenal um I've, I, you know that's that's the biggest bonus for us right now Garnaccio playing on the right and highland up front the players are starting to feed them more these days. Uh, it was quite mind-blowing all the way up, even as, as late as January, where the, the guy had to try and create stuff for himself, and that's why he was half-knackered. So maybe maybe now that he's, he start, they're starting to feed him, he won't be running as much, he won't be dropping back as much. Um, but uh, I'm confident that we will win. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm a lot more confident at Old Trafford these days than I was before Christmas, Um, and I think, you know, being on this run, five games on the bounce, I don't see Fulham stopping that at all. And as well, you you know, the other... I'm sorry, the other other key thing as well is, um, and we may not have, you know, been happy about it at the time, is, you know, going out of Europe now, we're we're playing one game a week. You know, that's having a huge effect on our performance as well and and our levels of performance. Um, You know, there's... you don't want to go out of every competition just because you want to play better in the league. And um, that's only a good thing if you're top of the table. And everyone knows that the Premier League is is far superior than winning the Champions League. In my opinion, I think a lot of people would agree. Premier League is a lot harder to win than the Champions League. You know, terrible teams have won the Champions League. The best team wins the Premier League, without a doubt. Um, so. Uh, it's only if you're in that mix that it's, a, that it's a real added bonus. But I think for us in our current position, the way we are in, as a structure, as a team, um, down to the bare bones, even past that at times, uh, playing one game a week has definitely helped Manchester United. It really has. That said, I want to win the European Cup. Yeah. Yep.
2: Uh, Hoyland to score seven in a 7-0 win. We can do it that first. <laughs> I'll um, be happy. Always with it. Um, one very, very quick one before we go, because um, he's posted a nice comment, so I can't not allow Paul to revel in it. Um, Milk Talica describes Paul as a legend and asks for your thoughts on Cobby Menu, and I'm always here for a bit of Kobe Menu love, which I presume you're to give him, so please feel free.
1: I I personally think the lad's, the lad's going to be great. And I don't say that very often. It'd be perfect because I'm such a sceptic normally. But he is just by the manner. You look at him, I think I said it before. The lad should be a card player. Despite just nothing phases him. Um, and the one thing I, you know, again, I say everyone talks about him playing for England. I really just don't want him to dive in too quick and just have a summer break. Rather than go and maybe just sit around, but he's far better than Calvin Phillips and Henderson to be perfectly honest. There's he more progression. A- there's more progression in his play ever than Henderson. You know, Henderson should have eyes in the back of his head, really, because the ones at the front are redundant. So, um, yeah, the, the lad is going to be something. It's absolutely incredible to be perfectly honest.
3: Yeah. Um- like I said, I'm always here for you. And that tackle yesterday, I mean, the tackle oh, in that
1: tackle is a book fight. Oh, I didn't, want, I didn't I mean, even I mean, want to get. It was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That should be. They should take that away from him. They kept. Yeah. should not be holding that yellow card. That is the. That is the. the most perfect tackle from behind you can ever Unbelievable.
3: make. Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. Never made no contact with the player at all. It was absolutely embarrassing by that referee. What gave it in his head? to ever think about giving a foul and then to yell a card him. It's, yeah. the reaction, it's the reactions of the other players. The other players, the opponent's reaction to it, they went chasing him to get the ball back. They didn't go there looking yeah. saying, you've injured one. The, the player exactly. he tackled, he's got straight up to his feet to yeah. get back. And, and just a quickie as well, Casemiro never touched that player for his booking. Uh-huh. Referees are de- the blokes. I'm going to use this word again. The bloke who it was cheated again.
4: Yeah,
1: that's two. That's two in a row. He's had now. Matty Cash did it the other day. They get close to him, they fall over, and then you see yeah. the other players on the second challenge you've made. It was just quick feet of the other player. I think it was Barkley, Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley's got quick feet. He moves the ball quick. He doesn't get to it. He touches him because it's a contact sport. And then you've got the other lads, um, the captain, going mad at the referee, virtually saying, send him off. I thought that was a yellow card, you know. So so managers now are telling their players, get close to him and throw yourself to the floor. You'll get him off the pitch. I've seen stuff in the I don't know what to call it now, X, Z, Twitter, whatever they call it, Zappa, whatever they want to name it, whatever day, yeah, of United fans, Turning around and saying that's enough now. He's gone. He's getting booked every game. If you look at it, people are cheating. They're cheating yeah. now, and they're the bits that should be stopped. Give them a pink and yellow and red and green card or something, a rainbow card. They love a rainbow card. Give them a rainbow card for something. It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. I sit there and I sit there and I hate it now. What's happening to the game? We're getting too many cheats in the game. That's my another rant. And I went totally offline now. But there you are.
3: Well, the funny, no, no, I'm sorry, but... no. Before we go, the, the the funny the funny thing is though, for 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 the first three or four five months, whatever, uh, four months that Casemiro was out, uh, 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 Zapper as you uh, as you lovingly called it, uh, Twitter was um, was in you know complaining, complaining. Oh, this is this is the reason why Manchester United don't well. We don't have Casemiro. We don't have Casemiro. And you're right. I went on there this morning. And everyone in their granny is like, oh, we should get rid of that guy. He's a liability. I'm like, oh, my God. What are these people talking about? This guy's yeah. one of the best midfielders yeah. in the world. And, and, and we're only kicking on in the past five or six games because he's come back. Because he got a stupid yellow card that was in his vault, we have to sell him now? It's just utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The reaction yeah. is well, like shameful.
2: Well, Sorry, I'm, I'm
3: done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm done as well.
2: I will say, um, and Tony says 100% Paul agreed. So the rant was worth it, and I I completely agree. And if anyone is qualified to talk about great tackles, then I'm not going to give him too much um, praise because I'm just about to get pulled. I
1: think you need to change that bit, really. Maybe change that to challenges.
3: Yeah. Well you you're you're talking about Paul. I thought you were talking about me. Oh sorry.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I'm talking like obviously I I will end with a compliment that Paul was obviously the tackler of his generation. So um if if someone's gonna praise Kobe Mainu for perfect tackles, then Dave may be qualified. I don't know how, but um we we um can defer to Paul judgment on that one,
3: um for sure. I'm Unqu- qualified um, well, because, because unlike Jordan Henderson, my eyes at the front work. Pardon the Paul, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, um,
2: Tony says, Paul's the only player I saw get the better of Mark Hughes. He was class. Yeah, and I bet um, the one thing that is probably certain is that Paul probably didn't feel like he got the better of Paul Hughes, <laughs> Mark Hughes, um, because he gave everyone bruises. He was bruised. Um, hopefully, we're talking about Hoyland's seven goals next week. Um, if you've been, if you've enjoyed the podcast, if you can give it a rating and review on the platform you are consuming it on, we would very much appreciate. It back next week. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Muck delivery.